like our trio and our praise team, our choir, and all of you who took part in worship this morning. Thank you so much for, for taking part in worship. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Matthew. We want to look at Matthew chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 18 through 25. I'm going to share with you a sermon I've simply entitled, The Promises of Advent. The Promises of Advent. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew 1, verse 18 through 25. Be reading out the King James Version. It says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thy son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, and there's a quote, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. So this morning we want to allow God to speak to our hearts about the promises of Advent. The promises of Advent. The word Advent I mentioned comes from a Latin word which simply means coming. This is a season in which we focus on the coming of the Son of God in the flesh to rescue us as sinners. Many Christians around the world throughout history have celebrated Advent as they take time uh, to to experience repentance and to anticipate and to give hope and to express joy. So we're celebrating the fact today, and as we do all time, prayerfully, uh, we're celebrating as we begin the Advent season, the Advent season, the fact of the first coming of the Lord, but at the same time, we anticipate the second coming of the Lord. That's what we're looking for. They we're looking for the first coming. We're looking for the second coming. If you would, look at verse 21. Verse 21 says this in chapter 1. Verse 21 says, And there shall, and she shall, speaking of Mary, a young woman, young girl, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins shall bring forth a son, not Joseph's son, but God's son. Joseph was important, very important. Joseph was entrusted of overseeing the human growth and the development of the creator of the universe. Think of that. 
given the job being the overseer, the developer, from an infant uh, until he was 33 years old, or he left home and was out on his own in ministry. He was given the responsibility of being the, the, the earthly father, the, the, the overseer, one of human growth and development of the creator of the universe. And so this task uh, that Joseph received wasn't given to Gamiel, it wasn't given to uh, Hael, uh, these very important rabbis, wasn't given to a king, wasn't given to the very rich, but this responsibility of overseeing God's son as an infant until his teenage years and just a little beyond was given to a carpenter by the name of Joseph, an ordinary man, just an ordinary man with just very limited education. Notice the angel instructed Joseph that thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus was an ordinary name, Jashus. Uh, in the Old Testament, it simply meant God, our Savior, or God is Savior. However, uh, once that name was given to God's Son, it ceased to be given as a common name among the people. His name was given Jesus. That's a very important name. If you will jot down Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, listen to God's word. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Suppose today I wrote you a check for a million dollars. Well, you wouldn't be no better off than you are right now. The reason my name is not good for that kind of money, for a million dollars, a thousand dollars perhaps, but especially a million dollars. But if Donald Trump wrote you a check for that amount, uh, you'd be a million dollar richer. What's the difference? Me writing it, Donald Trump writing it. The difference is in the name. And so there are people who, who come to God today in their own name. People try to come to God in their own name. Their good works, their good morality, they're coming in their own name. Some try... Uh, to come in uh, uh, another religious leader's name. Some try to come in the name of Muhammad. Some try to come in the name of Buddha. Some try to come uh, in the name of the Virgin Mary. Some other title, perhaps. Some try to come in the name of Baptist or Church of Christ or Methodist or some evangelical group. They come in, come to, try to come to God in different titles, different names, and they're just as lost as they were before because... We're just simply bankrupt sinners is what we are. And God has only one name for salvation in the bank of heaven, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. You have to come in the name of Jesus. There's no other name on earth that you can come to salvation other than in Jesus. Look at verse 23. He says, Behold, a virgin shall be with a child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted as God with us. Now the name Emmanuel is used as a title, used more as a description than, than, a, uh, than a common name. They didn't call his name Emmanuel. They didn't name him Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That's a title, it's a description. But they named him Jesus. And so, you know, it's, it's marvelous that there was this pregnant 
virgin, that's wonderful and that's miraculous, but equally as marvelous is that he shall be called Emmanuel, meaning interpreted God with us. You know, in the Old Testament, repeatedly, the Old Testament shared that God would always be with his people. He would always be present with his people. And, and the purpose for that was to secure their destiny and to secure their covenant. He was going to always be with them. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the temple, they were symbols of the divine presence of God. And that term tabernacle comes from shakal, the Hebrew word, which means to dwell, it means to rest, it means to abide. From the root word comes shekinah, refers to the presence of God's glory. So the point is, Jesus was born to be the shekinah, the glory of God, the true tabernacle of God. That's why John 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he is Emmanuel, God with us. And so he's, he's, more, he's more personal than a tabernacle. He's more personal than the temple. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. And so Advent, celebrating the coming, the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. Now what are the promises of uh, the Advent, listen real quick, jot these down, I'll jot it down. First of all, the coming of Jesus allows us to know what God is like. The coming of Jesus allows us to know what God is like. The birth of Jesus Christ really puts a face on God. God and Jesus are in one. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, listen at verse 15, Colossians 1, verse 15, Who is the image? Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones and dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. Jesus is the, he's the image of the invisible God. This is what we mean by incarnated. God with us. God came to earth wrapped in a human body, incarnated in flesh. And so the God of heaven came to live among us that we might know what he's truly like. So uh, Advent, the promise is we're, we're knowing what God is like through Jesus Christ. He came to teach us. He came to die on the cross for us, to forgive us. He rose from the dead so that we could be raised from the dead. And He ascended to heaven, and He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for us, interceding for us, and, and He's promised to return. Advent gives us a promise that we can know what God is like because Jesus came to this earth. So to the foolish... Today, who have never believed, who refuses to believe, it was prophesied that Jesus would come, he came. It was prophesied that he would die, he died. It was prophesied that he would, uh, that he would be raised from the dead, he was raised from the dead. It was prophesied that he would return to the Father, he returned to the Father. And it was prophesied that one day he's coming again, and I've got a good feeling that's going to happen too. He's coming back. And so the advent, the coming of Jesus, allows us to know who God is through the person of Jesus Christ. This is why we sing Emmanuel at Christmas. God with us. 
He was with us 2,000 years ago, and he's with us now. So the point is, we have a God who cared enough to come. No religion in the world can make that claim. The Muslims can't make that claim. The Buddhists can't make that claim. Uh, the Hindus can't make that claim. The New Agers can't make that claim. We had a God, and we have a God who cared enough that he came, and so came to earth. And that's a promise, the first promise is that we know who God is because Jesus came as a child and grew into adulthood. Secondly, jot this down. Advent promises that our sins can be forgiven. That's important. Think for a moment the worst thing that you've ever done. Just think. Don't tell nobody. Just think for a moment. What's the worst thing that I've ever done? Think about the worst thing you've ever done. Then think. Think of that thing now that that brings shame and disappointment and guilt that the devil just keeps throwing up to you from time to time. Now, after you've thought of that, think of what it would be if Jesus had not come and you could have not been forgiven of that sin. Can you imagine that? Just think to have that on our heart and have that on con our own conscience day in and day out. Think for, think for a moment the guilt that you would never be relieved. Think for a moment the condemnation that you would always have hanging over you. But since Jesus has come, those who receive him, our sins are forgiven. And we have power at the same time to forgive others because we've been forgiven. And so Advent allows us to know what Jesus is like. Advent promises that our sins are forgiven. And I'll jot it down another one. Third, Advent, the coming of Jesus, promises a home in heaven promises eternal life. Think about this. Think about if there was no heaven. No heaven. What if you just had part A of Romans 6.22? For the wages of sin is death. And you didn't have part B. For the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. Think about if there was no heaven. I mean, what would you say at a funeral? What would a preacher say at a funeral? What would, a, what would you say to family members? What would family members say to each other? You know, now we can say, hey, we'll see you later. I mean, we're going to be together forever and forever. Just think if there was no heaven. You couldn't talk about heaven. You couldn't say anything to loved ones about seeing them in heaven. No hope beyond the grave of seeing loved ones. None of that. You cannot talk about heaven. You know, you wouldn't have any reason to talk about heaven. And that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 19, jot this down, it says this. 1 Corinthians 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I like the way the Christian Standard Bible uh, phrased this. It says, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Think of that. If there's no resurrection, we should be pitied because we've placed our faith in a falsehood that there's no heaven because Christianity is fundamentally a resurrection faith. It's all about the resurrection. It's about faith. It's about eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so without the advent, there'd be no hope of, of the rapture of the church. There'd be no hope of returning of Jesus to call us away 
as a church, body of Christ from this old world. So without Advent, there would be no hope. There would be no hope in hearing the words in, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, when the, scriptures, when the Scripture just simply says this, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. No reason for that passage of Scripture if there was no heaven. Yet, without Advent, no hope, no eternal life, no rapture, no resurrection, nothing to anticipate when this life is over but the closing of a casket and a cold grave. That's all there would be. But because of Advent, Jesus came and all of those things changed. There is eternal life. There is rapture. There is resurrection. There is heaven. There's more to life than the casket and the grave. We have a home in heaven. So Advent, the coming of Jesus, allows us to know what God's like, allows us to know that our sins can be forgiven, allows us to know that there's this place called heaven, and then forth. It promises us that salvation is for the world. For the world. Jesus came as an unto us Savior. For unto us is born this day in the city of David. The angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. He is an unto us Savior. He, I mean, salvation is just for not us for here in Phil Campbell. Salvation is for the entire world, offered to the entire world. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the coming of Jesus is good news for the world. That's what Advent tells us. This is why the week of prayer for international missions is so important. That's why we're praying for our missionaries. Because we as individuals, we as a faith family, we as part of a Southern Baptist Convention and Franklin County Baptist Association, we've realized that, that, that we're on a church that's on co-mission with Jesus Christ to reach a world unto himself. And so the Advent season tells us that salvation is just not for us, but it's for the world, and we're on co-mission with Jesus Christ, that others may know that Jesus has come. He and the Father are one. He died on the cross that our sins could be forgiven. He promises us that there's a heaven and to all who will turn from their sin and repent and place their faith in Him for salvation, they have eternal life. Eternal life. You know, I was looking uh, through some things to share with you about how great it is to, 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 to have eternal life. And I found this in the book, um, uh, this book, Dare to Believe by Dan Brahman. He illustrates, listen to this, I'll close with this. He said, um, he illustrates in what it's like to know that something is yours, even though you're, you're having a weight on it. We're talking about heaven. You may even have had it in hand, and you're not able to enjoy it out of the box. He said, uh, 
he's talking, referring to himself as a, as a child and looking on the tree and he could hold his present in his hand and he kind of knew what it was but he couldn't get it out of the box. He, he wasn't able to get it out of the box and that's what he's talking about here. He says that when he was young, he always did a lot of snooping at Christmas time. My wife's that way. She does a lot. You know what she did one time? Uh, I got her a pair of boots for Christmas and that's what she wanted. And... Um, I didn't know she, I thought she'd be so happy, and she was happy, but on Christmas morning she was so happy she opened and saw those boots. But I didn't know that she'd opened that box and rewrapped it two or three times and put it back on the tree. Isn't that right, Judy? Yeah, see, she's a truthful woman. She did that. But presents just, it's not good to put them under the tree around Judy, but she snoops. But trying to find his gift figure out what was in those wrapped packages which his mom hid. One year, he, one year he discovered a large package with his name on it, and he knew that it was a set of golf clubs. And one shake of that box revealed the unmistakable sound of clubs, he said. And when mom wasn't around, I'd go and I'd fill the package, I'd shake it, and I'd pretend that I was on the golf course. The point is, I was already enjoying the pleasures of the future event, namely the unwrapping it had my name on it I knew what it was and it was his but it wasn't handed over to him until Christmas morning and then he would see with his eyes what before he'd only seen with his heart that's what heaven's about you know we know it's there and we've got all kinds of thoughts and ideas and information about it and we can see it with our mind's eye we kind of handle in a package, and we know what it's all about. But one day we'll receive it in totality, and that day will come for all of us. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence today. Lord, uh, to worship you, to sing, and to praise you. And God, now to open your word and, and read about the coming of Christ. And, and Lord, how you worked in... Joseph and Mary's life and what that must have been like. And Lord, the, the coming of Christ, the, the Advent season, we're reminded, Lord, the first coming. And Lord, we know the promises that are there. We know, Lord, that uh, you came, Lord, uh, incarnate from heaven, God in the flesh. You're Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, you're always with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. You came, Lord, that we could, we could see God in you because you are God. You're, you're the exact person, God. And then to let us know that our sins can be forgiven and to let us know that heaven is real and to let us know, Father, that salvation is not just for us but it's for everyone. And we have missionaries trying to share that message across this world everywhere. And so, Father, we know that heaven is laid up for us, and, it's, and one day we're going to receive what we have read about and sung about and dreamed about and wondered about and the goodness of it and the glories of it and all those things we're aware of. But one day we're going to experience it, and for that we're just thankful. We're thankful for heaven. And I pray for every person here this morning. And Father, if they've never believed that Jesus came, Lord, it's a historical fact. Lord, uh, it's, it's a spiritual fact. 
And Lord, I pray today that they would realize that you love this old world so much that you sent your son to die on the cross. Lord, for our sins. He was a supreme sacrifice. And Lord, he was slain for our sins. And for those who turn from sin and put their faith and trust in you for their salvation and come to, uh, come to Jesus for their salvation. Not in any other name, not in their own name or any other name, but ask him to forgive them, come into their life and save them, Lord, and give their life to him. We know, Lord, your promises that whoever calls on you shall be saved. I pray for people here today that need to do that. And I pray that they'll come during this invitation time. And Father, and, and then too, we just want to thank you for Advent. We want to thank you for coming. So help us, we, we pray, to look at this time of the year and just be thankful for Jesus who came to this old earth. Lord, that we could go with him one day into heaven. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation time. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.